So hi, one of the Good Noise Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm Glory. And we're here with... Uh, well, my name's Don't. Lucas and I sing for a band called Holding Absence. Uh, <laughs> and we're going to ask him some questions today. I'm going to start. Uh, so what inspired the creation of the band and what does the band name mean? Uh, so at this point, the band is very much a torch that has been passed down through generations because uh, pretty much every member of the band at the moment wasn't in the band when it started. Um, mm. But, you know, we... Every ma- member that ever was in the band, you know, our old bassist or old guitarist or whatever, you know, um, we're very much a product of like the Cardiff music scene. Um, and, you know, we're all still good friends even now. So it's very I think it was always just very much a, a communal project of kind of just trying to come up with a band that was intense and atmospheric and emotional. And, you know, as certain members came or as certain members went, certain members came. And I feel very much like the message is still what it's always been, you know, which is really cool. Um, as for the band name, the band is named after a hammock song. Uh, there's a post-rock band called Hammock, and they've mm. got a song called Holding Your Absence. So, uh, yeah. All right. Solid. I love it. That's sick. Uh, so congratulations on your newest release, The Greatest Mistake of My Life. I love that name. Um, <laughs> how do you feel the response to the album so far? Yeah, the response has actually been very overwhelming. You know, when you, uh, when you know, when you, do something anything in life you hope people enjoy it or you hope mm-hmm. people like it or think it's good and and like we're kind of at the point now we're like when somebody disses us on twitter it's like yeah that's awesome it's nice <laughs> to see a bit of variety you know? because like at the moment the response has just been overwhelming you know um and it's, it's lovely as well because you know like i said our, our band is a very emotional very intense one so i feel like when people dig our music they really feel it and get into it you know so mm-hmm. a compliment feels 10 times more than if it was any old band i'd say you know yeah yeah i mean as i was telling you before we started i really enjoyed this album and typically i don't get goosebumps on a second listen through the record but both yeah. times i heard celebration song and that that first awesome. goosebumps both times i'm floored crazy, crazy. Yeah. Uh, so what made you guys choose Beyond Belief as the lead single? Yeah, so I'd say, you know, but, uh, but I don't know how, how long you guys have kind of known about Holding Absence, but for a long time at the beginning of our career, we were, all of our aesthetic was was like black and white, you know, so all the photos were in very, like a monochromatic tone and same with video and stuff. And it, it was a very like fixed image, you know, like, um, and basically we decided for this record, we wanted to leave that behind. Um, and we kind of didn't know how to do it without putting out a song that felt kind of different in its own right as well. You know, so rather than putting out a typical Holden Absence song and changing the color, we thought, let's make an extreme change. Let's put out kind of the the odd one out on the record in, in a way. Um, and Beyond Belief is probably that, even though it's not it's not like a weird, you know, it's not at all a weird song or whatever but you know it does just feel a little bit different to the rest um it's got a bit more of an upbeat lively tempo as well and and we thought that was quite a nice way to start this this rollout because like you said with celebration song uh the album is a very hopeful and sometimes positive album compared to some of our other stuff so solid all right Uh, so you guys actually put a documentary based around the album what was the inspiration behind that um like, you know, like I said, back to the black and white thing, you know, mm-hmm. for a long time, our band was very po-faced, you know, and very stoic. And yeah. and, I, and I think then we'd play shows and we'd meet people after shows and, you know, we'd hug people and we'd have chats for hours. And and, yeah. and then we, we kind of realized that we're not actually this cool, deep band. We're, we're quite <laughs> like a wholesome people band, you know. Yeah. Um, 
And, and I think the documentary was our way of kind of opening the door to everyone saying, you know, this is the band mm-hmm. that, you know, you've been listening to all this time. And, and also this is how we, you know, w- what better time to open the door than during the process of something as big as an album recording process, you know? Yeah, definitely. So it was just like you guys just showing like, this is us actually yeah in every way you know good or bad you know like stupid and you know because that's the thing when you write serious music you know i i grew up listening to like a day to remember and stuff and and, like i remember they'd always put out videos of them like you know like pissing around and i'd always be like whoa they're funny and cool you know and not that i think we're trying to be a funny band but i don't want anyone to think that we're always serious you know Mm mm-hmm that makes sense. Uh, so is there any meaning behind the album name or the cover art for it? Yeah, so the album title specifically has quite a, a poignant um, story behind it. Um, because I don't know if you know this, but The Greatest Mistake of My Life was actually a song that was released in the 1930s. Um, oh. So it's totally worth checking out. You should definitely check it out. It was released mm-hmm. in 1937 by an artist called Gracie Fields. And um, basically the story goes that my great uncle actually recorded a cover of it in the 50s um so uh, which cool. is super cool yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. And my nan my, my nan who's you know like an, an old lady now you know and <laughs> mm-hmm. she, rem- she remembered my great uncle when he did that and said um you know basically that i wasn't the first musician to to make music in the in in the family if that makes sense or whatever um and then i checked the song out and i was like whoa this is awesome you know this is a really cool classic timeless kind of song and one thing we tried to achieve with this album was this cinematic timeless Mm -hmm. like um kind of grand kind of uh feeling and vibe you know and um and i just remember thinking like nothing is more grand and and timeless and cinematic than this 90 year old song that i've somehow just discovered um and obviously you know if you've listened to the record we do end with a piano version of that song as well so um so yeah so kind of a cool story that is amazing completely full circle oh my god (laughs) yeah Uh, thank you yeah because like you know it's um i i think a lot of the time with music it's only as deep as you make it you know Mm -hmm. and and in all honesty you know this just felt like instantly it meant something before any songs were even written you know like the title itself had a real story with me um so yeah okay i was just about to ask did you like go into the album saying i want it to be this name and i want to end it this way yeah so we definitely named it the greatest mistake of my life pretty much first so we actually worked backwards and that's something that you rarely ever do you know um a lot of the time you'll write an album and go oh what do we call it maybe this (laughs) lyric from this song or you know whatever um but whereas with this album, it was like, this is the title, Let's Work Backwards, uh, which was a really cool and, and unique kind of thing. As for the cover at the end, though, I actually wasn't sure how to pay homage to the song. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew I wanted to do that somehow. And I, I was trying really hard throughout to, to maybe put the lyric, the greatest mistake of my life was saying goodbye to you into a song. Mm-hmm. Um but I just, I just couldn't make it work. And then we thought, you know, um, the Black Parade by My Chem? Of course. Obviously. Uh, well, obviously, one of my favorite albums of all time. And mm-hmm. obviously, Blood at the end, you know, it kind of comes off as like this final song after, you know, once all the dust has settled and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and back to the cinematic vibe, you know, we, we kind of like the idea of it feeling like 
an end credits moment, you know, like okay. like an after album song in, in yeah. a weird way. So, uh, so yeah, so it all worked out. That is so sick. So much yeah. thought into this entire thing. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Too. Uh, so can you tell me a little bit about your writing process for this album? Yeah, so, uh, you know, we always try, I guess, when you write music, you know, if you keep going through the same kind of entrance, you'll always come out looking the same in the exit. You know, it's, it's very much like, uh, I think um, the flavor of music comes through experimentation mm -hmm. and just trying new things in different orders, you know. Uh, so we started the album, uh, we wrote uh, Afterlife and Drugs and Love with a guy called Dan Weller who went on to actually produce the album. So we kind of had this like, like connection with him quite early. Yeah. And then, yeah, certain songs, you know, we, we played it by, by year, you know, and the whole thing was written over the space of about six or seven months. So it was like a long period of time. Um, mm -hmm. um, and we have like a little office in Cardiff. So myself and Scott, we would go there every day or at least like three days a week, you know, and, and slowly chip away at different songs and stuff. Um, and yeah, you know, it's so funny because, because of the pandemic, you know, we recorded this album last February. Uh, okay. So now I'm talking about these songs, you know, we were writing these songs. Like Afterlife was written in the summer of 2019, <laughs> you oh know. So I can't even remember writing some of these songs now. It's been so long ago, you know. Yeah. Wait, so is there a reason why you didn't drop it in 2020? Is it because like the pandemic and you were kind of waiting it out? Basically, yeah. You know, we mm -hmm. um, we kind of wanted to find the sweet spot between knowing that shows would eventually come back and also not holding it off for too long. You know, um, we were originally going to drop it in October last year. And then we were like, maybe if we start rolling it out October and then drop it in April and then hopefully play shows in November and October time, you know, that's like six months at a time, you know, rather than like, I, you know, I, I look at some bands like, um, uh, Enter Shikari are a good example or mm. um, a lot of British ones I don't know why, why British ones keep on the mind but like Boston Manor, I don't know if you're a fan of those guys uh, you know, they released albums at the beginning of the pandemic and it kind of just breaks my heart a bit to think that those songs have been out there for a, a whole year plus and yeah. never got played, you know Definitely yeah. okay. uh, So where's <laughs> your headspace at while you're writing this album? I know you said it's like a, while. a couple of years, yeah, for yeah. some of them. But what do yeah. you can remember? Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm an old man now. I'm a, I'm 26 years of age, and I've been oh, making music. You're for, not old, so you can't say that. I feel old, so that's the main thing. <laughs> but um, you know, I I feel like I've been making music for for a, a decade now. You know, yeah. and like and and basically, you know, I I think you go through different motions with music and passion and creativity, regardless of whether that's art or poetry or music no matter what you know i think creativity sits in this weird pocket of life where it's not a job it's kind of a bit more than a hobby you know what i mean and, and you kind of don't know what to do with it and and i think basically when i started hitting my 20s you know and i'd been a musician for a long time but i realized then i had to kind of start paying rent i had to start working and trying to make music mm -hmm. i think it was very much a learning curve for me you know i think i realized that I needed to, you know, I, I needed to be an adult. I needed to work as hard as everyone else. I wasn't the youngest guy in the room anymore. And I know that sounds really dumb, but for a long time, you know, like I said, I've been making music since I was 16. For a long time, I was playing shows with people twice my age. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm like 
23 years of age and and I realize, you know, I've got a degree and I've been, you know, and all this kind of stuff. And there's no excuses anymore. Yeah. Um, and I think that kind of kicked me up the arse a little bit in the sense that like like excuses are the worst things to have in life because they mm-hmm. are you kind of contextualizing failure. Mm-hmm. But you shouldn't allow failure when it comes to something like music. You should never give yourself an excuse. You should always just keep keep pushing. And I think that was kind of it really for me. Really? Oh. All right. So it was just kind of like pushing yourself, basically. Yeah. And coming to grips with the fact that if, if it didn't work with the band, it was my fault, if that makes sense. Kind wow. of. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a lot of pressure to put on. Yourself, it is a lot no? of pressure. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> but I've always put pressure on myself, um, you know, because I think as, as people, I, th- I think, you know, you can put too little pressure on yourself. Like, mm-hmm. like I said, you know, it, it I know a lot of people who just don't make music anymore because they just felt like they just failed at it and and just, you know. And I, and I think it's, it's this weird mixture of, like, you need to be liberated in order to make art, but at the same time, you need to be serious about it in order to make it as, as well, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. All right. Um, so while going through the album, what band or artist influences pop out the most to you? if any mm-hmm. yeah it's a tough one because you know we always go into every record with about 10 different bands you know that, that we we really love and look up to um yeah. a band that we really took inspiration from for this record was a band called copeland i don't know if you've ever heard of them they're so. oh, wicked wicked band you should really check them out okay. um but yeah they're like kind of like beautiful dreamy um post hardcore but without the heavy stuff if that makes sense um, that's an interesting so yeah. combination hmm. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's very much like i don't know if if say and the 1975 had a baby kind of thing you know Ooh, it's good right. it's very good yeah their last two records specifically are my favorites but yeah they really inspired this album um but you know i think like i've been trying to f- embrace you know like we said about my chemical romance you know like they're a band that i grew up with but as i'm growing older now i'm like realizing that they aren't just nostalgia bands like so my cam and paramore were two really really big inspirations for this record because like i grew up with them and then yeah one day i realized that they were more than just my kind of growing up band like i actually love the way they write music mm-hmm. and and tried to take inspiration from them you know as, as a from an objective point of view rather than an already diehard fan <laughs> if that makes sense yeah yeah it makes plenty of sense uh, so this question should be super, super quick. Off the top of your head, I want you to describe this album for new listeners in three words. No more, lo- no less. Ooh, okay. Um, I'm going to say an emotional experience. Oh, okay. okay. Sure. Yeah, that's good. Definitely. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so while going through the album, is there a certain feeling or emotion you want it to invoke in your listeners? I feel like I'm actually learning more about the album as time's going on. I'm kind mm-hmm. of, you know, like when when we first started working on this record, I, I think I was aiming for something. And now after all these months of listening to it and even the last couple of weeks of, you know, doing interviews and stuff and talking about it, I'm kind of coming to grips with the fact that it's like, it's basically an album that finds hope in sadness, I, mm-hmm. I think, for me. It's, it's an album that embraces things going wrong and tells you to learn from those lessons you know so whether it's celebration song and morning song and looking at the duality of of life and trying to learn from you know i guess 
the fact that death exists and we should embrace life because of that. Mm-hmm. And then kind of looking at that in the context that sadness exists and we should embrace happiness because of that, you know? Um, mm-hmm. And I think the more I listen to it, the more I realize how subtly hopeful I am underneath the whole record, despite being quite obnoxiously sad. <laughs> you know, <face laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a yeah. silver lining. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Best way of putting it is, you know, it's very much about, yeah, yeah, it's very much about the silver lining amongst all the dark clouds, you know, mm-hmm. but acknowledging all the dark clouds at the same of time. Course. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so before the world set on fire, you were supposed to go on tour with Creeper. How did that opportunity come about? Yeah, we've been good friends with them for quite a while. Uh, we played um, a festival in the UK called 2000 Trees Festival. Uh, back in two, 2018, I think it was. Oof, um, yeah. And yeah, it was a whole, a whole minute ago. But um, a while back, yeah. Yeah. And we were playing and, and uh, you know, we'd, you know, I, I think one of the, the weirdest things with being in a band is like, obviously you want public perception. You want people to enjoy your music on a large scale, but like it, you can't help but also value certain people's opinions a bit more, mm-hmm. you know? So for example, like, there's a band that we're friends with called Loathe. I'm sure you've heard of them. Um, and like, like Hayley Williams tweet, like put up a post about them on Instagram or like Chino from Deftones put up a tweet about them, you know? And like, to me, I'm like, yo, like that is so cool because those mm-hmm. are like specifically incredible artists, you know? Um, and I remember when we were playing 2000 Trees, we were playing and I like turned around and Will from Creepo was like watching and we'd never had any contact with them. So and you could tell he was like vibing it. I was like, yeah, let's go. We got like mm-hmm. a, a new cool guy on board, you know. And um, and yeah, and since then we've we've been talking a lot about doing a, a tour with them. Um, and basically, man, you know, it's gonna happen in November. Mm-hmm. Oh, December this year. Yeah, I was, gonna say, I was gonna say but, December. Like, yeah. But uh, you know, I think that's the fourth time it's been rescheduled. God <laughs> so, damn. Uh, yeah. So we're really trying to make that one work. Definitely. <laughs> I, I appreciate you guys just kind of rescheduling rescheduling because then it's like it still gives yeah. the ticket holders like an opportunity to still make sure if they can go or not instead of just canceling and being like, okay, guess we're not doing this. Maybe we'll someday, later. Yeah, sure. yeah, good point. And it's hard because you do have this weird situation where like, say you bought a ticket mm-hmm. and then it keeps getting pushed back. Like, for example, a good example is me and I bring them up again, but with My Chemical Romance, I've got a ticket to see my chem. Yeah. Spent like 60 quid on it. And, and I'm still, obviously, I haven't seen them. But I'm yeah. a bit like, could I do with 60 quid right now? I probably could, really, you know. Mm-hmm. So as, as a musician, you kind of at the same time don't want to keep their money held up for this show that might never happen either, you know. Yeah. So it is a tough one. But yeah, Fair Play to Creeper, they've been pushing that to a back every time there's a small chance, you know, they've, mm-hmm. they've been rescheduling it. So. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that it's going to be able to happen considering most people are getting vaccinated now. And yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. you know, just fingers crossed, honestly. Yeah. I, I really hope you guys get to play. That'd be really sick. Thank you. And to be honest, like America and UK specifically, I feel like we're vaccinating as quick as possible, yeah. you know, um, which is which is really good because like I know in Europe, for example, obviously, because there's so many different countries with so many different laws and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Like I know that there's a lot slower on the uptake, you know. So fingers crossed for me and you guys, you know, by the end of the year, we'll be back sweating in in a venue somewhere and yeah, enjoying live music again. That'd be, that'd be really good. I could cry at the thought of it. (laughs) Oh God. Um, So you guys actually don't have any features on this album. Is there anybody you have your eyes on for the next release? Anything you want to kind of like speak into existence? Um, So 
first off, we do have like a mini feature, um, mm-hmm. my, uh, but it's not acknowledged on the track listing or anything. Okay. So yeah. proper, proper low key. But um, my sister actually sings on one of the songs. <gasps> uh, so there's a song called Die Alone in Your Lover's Arms. And um, I wrote it as a duet. And then we basically realized that we didn't want to do any like, you know, featuring blah, blah, blah. You know, mm-hmm. it might have looked a bit cheap, especially because the song is called Die Alone in brackets <laughs> in your lover's arm. And if it said, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then more brackets, it was yeah. just like, stupid, you know. Too um, much. So, uh, yeah, so so my sister sang on that song. So, you know, to anybody listening, you know, I, I really urge you to check it out because she did a brilliant job. She's not a musician herself. She's just got a wonderful voice. Um, and I think it's a really magical song. And I'm really proud of it. Um, then as for like, future slots and speaking stuff into existence like you said mm-hmm. um there's so many so many brilliant bands that i love um the three bands that i always say are going to be the future of music so i feel like these three will always have a space on a whole nabs and song mm-hmm. um stand atlantic so bonnie is is a brilliant vocalist i'd love to have yeah. her someday uh day seeker uh unbelievable band so rory i'd love to have on a song mm-hmm. and um and loathe as well. Back to what I was saying earlier, you Ooh. know, maybe having Kadeem on a track someday would be really cool as well. Yeah, that would oh, yeah. be very sick. Yeah, all picks. Wait, so how yeah. did that happen? Did you just kind of like ask your sister, like, "Hey, you want to sing on this song?" Or did she volunteer? What? Um, kind of. Yeah, I kind of hit her up because, like, uh, yeah, I just we were kind of like coming up to the recording date, and I realized mm-hmm. that you know there wasn't it wasn't sorted out. You know, so I was kind of like. I mentioned it to her more as like a maybe at first as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, and she, you know, to be fair to her, she took it in her stride because, you know, it's, it's quite a big thing, you know, yeah. having never recorded vocals before. And then next thing you know, she's on like an album and like everybody's talking about her voice. And, you know, like I, I, I kind of wish I like thought a bit more about that, you know, cause like mm-hmm. if, if, if it had gone wrong, that I feel like, that would have been really like sad, you know what I mean? So yeah. luckily everybody's really enjoyed it, you know, but, um, mm-hmm. but yeah. Okay. That's yeah. sick. That's really I'm sick. glad it went over well because the internet's yeah. mean. <laughs> yeah. The internet's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so where do you see the band in the next five years? Honestly, as long as we're just doing what we're doing now, I, I'll be happy. Um, you know, I always say this, like success isn't the, the goal, you know, at all I, I, I really don't care how big we get you know but for me like you know speaking to people like yourself who, who like people who live very different lives to myself you know uh and have experienced many different things um and then also on a, just a more grandiose scale just anybody at shows you know like mm-hmm. for me it's like i love this band i'm proud of this band and and i want the message to reach as many people as possible so in five years time as long as we're just doing this to more people, you know, I think, I think that's the goal really. Um, I do want to explore the world though. You know, like I do want to come to America. I want to, I want to see the difference in every state on America and I want to go to Japan. I want to go to Australia, you know, so there's a lot left to do. So hopefully in the next five years, I'll do it all. <laughs> Hell yeah. That was so wholesome. Just, I want to see the difference in every state. <laughs> oh dude, I, no, honestly, America blows my mind. Like the fact that just, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. Like for example, Europe, is like huge of course mm-hmm. but like the cultural like think about the cultural difference in in europe you know you've got like when i say france you think mustaches and baguettes and then <laughs> when i say spain you think about like you know matadors and mm-hmm. like football or, or whatever you know but then with america it's like 
it's one country. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But every state is kind of different, but not so blatantly different, if that makes sense. So I'd love to just see, you know, what the difference is between, you know, like Washington and New York are the same place in my head, you know? So yeah. I'd love to, I, even though they're millions of miles, or thousands of miles apart. So like, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I'd, I'd love to, you know, just be able to really be a part of that if that makes sense, you know? Yeah, that makes plenty of sense. I, I hope you get to explore America. That'd be so <laughs> Thank <Yeah>. you. <laughs> uh, so for the last couple of questions, we're actually going to shift away from music, if that's okay with you. Cool, that's perfect, yeah. Cool. Uh, so we're going to go straight to death row. Boom. So if you're on death row, what would your last meal be with a drink? Ooh. Um, I would say... Oh, it's really tough because it's like death row. We're not messing around. Like that's a big, mm-hmm. that's the last meal, you know? Yeah. Um, so I would say I always have, whenever I'm like depressed or hungover, uh, me and my girlfriend always have vegan sausage rolls and baked beans. <laughs> so uh, trust me, man, it's good. It's, it's sloppy, but it's, it's like, it's tasty. Mm-hmm. So I've, I don't know though. That can't be my last meal, can it? That's a bad last meal. Um, no, no. If you like it, then I'll go with that. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And then with a drink, um, I'd say a good old fashioned, um, you know, cup of tea. Nice little English breakfast cup of tea. Yeah. You know, a bit of oat milk. You know, maybe a would I would I, would I be allowed a biscuit with my tea? Yes. Yes. We'll allow it. I have an Oreo. <laughs> Uh, so if you could live in one fiction world for a week where would you live oh dude that's a big one because i'm like a real like fantasy nerd like in in general like i I watch loads of fiction things so i think i'd probably go with the the avatar um world you know like with the water bending and the air bending bending. i think that'd be really cool um or maybe yeah i'd go with that one I i think that's really cool yeah. Okay. Yeah, I saw your your picture when you joined. It uh-huh. was um, I can't remember the main character. I can't Ang. remember yeah, Ang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I saw it. I was like, oh, he's an Avatar fan. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. My brother loves the show, so I I completely so understand. Good. I urge anyone to watch it. It was such a good show. Yeah. Definitely, I agree. Uh, so I have the honor of asking the last question. Every single person we've spoken to has actually said it is the most important question. Ooh. What is your favorite color? Oh, what a lovely question. My favorite color Thank is you. yellow. <gasps> Mine too. So true. Yellow Best gang. color. Let's go. I, Best um, color. Yeah, I've got a real connection with the color yellow because I feel like even though this isn't true, I feel like yellow is the happiest color. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, I don't see a sad shade of yellow, really. Does yeah. that make sense? So like, for example, with blue, it's like, you know, you think of like blue, you know, it's like I'm blue and I'm sad, you know. Or with yeah. red, you think of like, blood or or death or whatever you know and like mm-hmm. i don't know i i just feel like with yellow it's just like it's just a bright happy color my name means light uh you know oh. so i feel like i've got a bit of a connection with that and like i got a really funny story as well when i was in when i was in school uh, i don't know if you guys would have this actually but do you have like houses you know like a no. house <laughs> that's so yeah because we do and it's stupid but did, have you ever seen like harry potter you know of like of course yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you've got like Gry- Gryffindor, Ravenclaw, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Most schools will do red house, green house, blue house, yellow house. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was four, I was asked what house I wanted to be in. And I picked yellow house. And um, and I was the only boy who picked yellow house. And, and, I, and it sounds really stupid, but I feel like it's just 
it's just connected to me now as a, as mm-hmm. a color because I, you know, apparently a four-year-old version of me picked it once upon a time and, and I still like it now. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you brought up Harry Potter. Do you know what house you are? Um, honestly, no. I'm probably just a Gryffindor, though, I imagine. Okay. Yeah, that's, know, fair. that's fair. Kind of a boring, good guy. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so, yeah. That's fair, yeah. Uh, so as Gloria said, that's all the questions we have today. Is there anything that you would like to plug? Uh, our new album, The Greatest Mistake of My Life, is out now. Um, so, you know, if you've got time, check it out. Um, and hopefully we'll come to America someday. But I just wanted to thank you guys so much for a lovely interview. Um, yeah. Thank yeah, you for course. having me. Uh, yeah. Thank you for Sonatha. This has been Lucas from Holding Absence and uh, We're the Good Noise podcast.